Hello and welcome to From the Rookery End and we are here, we are finally here, we are days away from the start of the championship season and what for the attempt to bounce back, straight back into the Premier League, like it or not, that is a possibility. My name's John and we're here for, uh, of course, with From the Rookery End, a podcast where we chart our lives as Watford fans. With me this evening uh, is Michael. Nine minutes to eight, we're recording this on uh, Monday evening, so we're one week and, uh, I can't even add up, one, <laughs> one week and nine minutes away from the start of the season. It's come pretty quickly, actually, I think, but I'm, I'm excited, I think. Yeah. And Geordie. Hello. Uh, and we're going to look through, well, basically the big question we're in this, in this podcast, as Watford fans, as we head into the season, at this point now, are we demanding promotion or are we still dreaming about promotion? Jordy, you got to see that dream start because uh, you, saw, you went to the uh, the game at Willstone to see Watford against Premier League Southampton. You can, tell, you can tell we had a rough year last year when John is describing a nil-nil pre-season friendly as a dream start. <laughs> Setting the bar nice and low. That's what it's expectations, John. Is that what it's I didn't say it was a dream start. It was the start of the dream. Okay, fine. There's a difference. I misunderstood the comic effect. (laughs) Johnny, what what do we see? You know, it it was the last pre-season game. That's the only time I ever really sort of try and take anything from a pre-season game when you think, no, this is the week before. You've all got to get your minutes in. This is more than likely going to be the starting eleven, or fairly, fairly close. Let's say at least eight out of the eleven. What did you see then? I think I need to pull the old uh, full disclosure caveat. So I took my six-year-old to the game. Uh, did and you I, no, he didn't. No, 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 he didn't. Um, but after the game, Rob and the players all went around and took photos with the kids. So I can't possibly say anything mean or bad <laughs> about any of the players after they after they made his day. Um, so thanks to all the players and and the, and the staff for that. So what do we see? Well, I think there's a couple of preseason games where we haven't done so well. I think was it Cambridge we lost, yeah. was it? Or something like that. And Bolton was like a you know not not really kind of running away with it. And everyone says, oh, preseason games don't matter. But look, you know you're quite right. As closer you get to the beginning of the season, the more they begin to matter because you start seeing them as as they will be. And Southampton are a Premier League team, and they started with every player I'd heard of. So you know Ward Prowse was starting. So it wasn't a weak inside, and we we matched them. We we get, we we played quite well. You know, we did well. We didn't score. We didn't concede. I'm just taking advantage of saying that because <laughs> that's not often we get to say that. But I think I think there were there were some players in there who maybe I wouldn't have thought would be nailed on. But by seeing things on, on Saturday, I think they might be nailed on. Semmer, for example, wouldn't necessarily assume he was going to be a starter with Kamara in the team and, playing, and, and no wingers. But he seems to be converted to a left wing back. But he took a lot of all the corners and he managed to beat the first man, which, um, which you know, he's obviously been practising at that over the, well, in a Watford shirt. I mean, that's, you know, it's almost like... Uh, Hen's teeth. So defensively, that seemed to, I, that was one thing I wasn't really worried about because hey, the guys we've got around did a really good job last time with the championship. S- same feelings. Yeah, you hope in the championship we concede fewer goals. One because the standard of striker isn't elite as it is in the Premier League. Even even the bad strikers in the Premier League are really good. How many twenty goal a season championship strikers do we see that cannot make the step up because there is that that gap. But also because last time we did really well and that was because we were attacking a lot because we were near the top of the division whereas last year we were at the bottom of the division and people could take risks and put us under pressure. So I think so. I think um, you know playing three at the back we shouldn't get caught out too much because we haven't got any kind of naive players. You know, Cathcart, if he starts, you know, um, Cavaselli, they're both old enough to know how to defend and keep concentration. I think Sierra to prove himself at this level. Obviously, with Samir going, we're looking for, I think we're looking for a left-sided one. So, I think at the back, 
as long as we kind of keep that kind of um, cohesion and don't let ourselves get um, taken down the wings by having four wing backs that don't track back. But on that point, you know, because Kiko's gone, I guess because Kiko's going, Kamara played at right, right wing back, which is interesting. Because you had Kamara at right wing back, who's very left footed, and you had Cathcart at left centre back, who's right footed. <laughs> and you think, well, if they could train Semmer to play wing back, could they not train him to play centre back and do like a Marcus Gale? And, yeah. uh, and, then, and then have Kamara at left wing back, and then, you know, this Gaspar, who's rumoured to be coming from Villarreal, play at right wing back. So it'd be interesting with Kamara being player of the season and, and Semmer seeming to be quite important how that fits together and then obviously there's uh, Kayembe who's left footed and he 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 seems to be quite important in that kind of midfield role on, on Saturday and I guess um, it'd be interesting to see and then loser obviously if he comes back whether he takes that role but he's left footed as well so we've got, we've got a good balance are we worried about I think centre back so we've got Matty Pollock as well so are we worried about the wing back roles what have we actually got? Because, you know, Samir's gone, as you mentioned. Uh, Kiko's done, like I say, we're talking on Monday. He's put a little, nice little note on Instagram saying his farewell. So that's that's firmed up, not that we didn't know it was happening. But right wing back for Kiko, you know, he was in the in the championship last time. He was that link down the right-hand side with Saar, who we'll get on to later. It feels like centre-backs were all right. How do you both feel about wing backs and how we're going to... F- we're going to cover those areas. Knowing when you have to convert somebody and it's Ken Semmer, it does make you sort of start to feel a little bit more cautious that we won't have the depth, I think. That's the one thing we don't have at the moment, not necessarily the depth. You know, Ngakia is around, of course, but having to convert somebody to fill a slot does feel a little bit like we could find ourselves in a, in a very sticky situation quite quickly with so many games sort of, sort of happening. But, like you say, with the, the 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 back three, I think that keeps us much more solid, and I think they are the experienced part of the of the Watford squad in the championship, and therefore you probably just have to change a little bit in terms of your wing backs about how wing backy they are. Are they more backy or more wingy? So I I think that w- that's the thing that would change if we become yeah short of players. Here's a question then for for you both: If Gaspar is the only one that comes in. Are we happy defensively? Uh, I think we. I think given his age and his lack of familiarity, I think he, we could probably do well with getting another one in. Obviously, if Kamara can play on the right. We've got Morris as well, mm. so and Semmer and stuff. And of course, the thing with um, with wing backs and formations is once the whistle blows, anyone yeah. can go anywhere. Yeah. So you know, if you've got three centre backs and teams are, are only attacking with one centre forward. Then you know maybe what we'll do is we push one of the centre backs into midfield and allow the midfielder go forward, or we'll you know allow the, the wing yeah. back the wing back to become more wingy as you say than backy, and 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 we'll move around. So I think we'll be okay. I think the problem is there's no obvious. I mean, Ngakia, I went to the game last year against Rotherham when we were well, in the pandemic season. So it's the only game I actually went to, and you could hear people talking because of the lower fewer people, and I was very near the front, and I was so near the front I couldn't actually see anything because it's <laughs> apart from Ben Ben Foster bending around to touch his toes too much. Did you not ask for that seat for last year as well? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that seat you can't see anything, please. Yes. Yeah, it was no, it, it had already gone into some kind of auction and had raised a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's the equivalent of the Tunnel Club at Man City? It costs five grand. Yeah, what's the, what's the benefits? You can't see anything at all. Yeah, yeah. But Ngakia seemed to have like good good control, good touch. And it, you know, just he seems like a very calm presence, like not not um, like humble. I guess is what the way mm-hmm. I see him. You know, he kind of got it got it done. And I think if he gets coached and he and he's out the spotlight of the Premier League, and he's got a year in the Championship, I think if if we're playing forty six games 
you know, Gaspar won't have had that experience in Spain. Certainly not at the rough and tumble of you know, again in quotes of the of the championship. So it'll be interesting to see how how he adapts, how he how long he can last. I know he's had a bit of an injury and he hasn't mm, played much in the yeah. last. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, would you know, would we like to sign Cafu? You know, yes, of course. You know, we probably still do a job to be fair. <laughs> but you know, would we still like to sign like a, a great right wing back? But we're not going to. So who can we get? Is there anyone in, in the in the reserves who or the, in the under twenty three who might come up, or is there someone who we can bring in cheap? But obviously without them pushing Ngakia further down the pecking order, because then what's the point of having him if we're if we're not going to give him a chance in the championship? So you made a really good point actually about formation, and a lot of people are getting het up about the how we're going to play homegrown. There's lots of buzzwords and playing the Rob Edwards way, and there's a really good podcast out at the moment on BBC Moment of Truth. And it follows Oxford United and Rotherham United in the final six months, I think, of the season. And they've got the managers are mic'd up. If you haven't listened to it, do give it a listen. But uh, there's one game, so it's Carl Robinson at Oxford United. And he's frantically talking to his number two about, oh, God, the other team aren't playing the way they thought they were. And it took five minutes for them to realise it. And I think that your point, Geordie, is such a good one. We're backed up by that, the, the chaos of football. You can't, you can't pick it, and sometimes you can force your will and your tactics and your formation onto the opposition. And obviously, you do have to have a plan, but also you have to react as well. Because if all of a sudden, right, he's he's having the time of his life in central midfield, and the last five times we scouted him, he's had a nightmare. So we're going to have to need to shift him to the right and him to the left. So there is a lot of that, and I think what you were just running through, we've talked about players there, none of whom perhaps get the juices flowing, as we're now. It's one minute past eight, we'll have kicked off in a week. <laughs> None of them necessarily sort of like, oh, he's going to get me out of, this, out of, my, out of my seat at Vicarage Road. However, once when you are in the maelstrom of a championship game and the, and the boots and sweat and blood is flying, are they going to be able to adapt and are they good enough to perhaps slot in and, and change around? I think that's a, a really good point. And having, journeyman's the wrong word, but having able and capable players, which... We've got a lot of it. Sounds like that, that you know, just our, our initial conversation around defence. It wouldn't if you talk to fans of the other twenty-three championship clubs. Probably they're not picking any of them for their team. Perhaps with the with, that, with the um, exception of Kamara. But when they see them, they think, oh, he was he was half decent. So I don't know is the honest answer. It's it's fascinating, but I do think that I, I do like that point that. We're all talking about wing backs and then the importance of the the the, the centre centre back three. It all comes down to whether they can get it done when they when push comes to shove and they cross cross the line. And the the, the formation is like a an initial plan yeah. that quickly has to change and and bend and alter as you go. But fans are from where we were and with all the change that we've had. I think what you want is you want to know if we're going to be this dominant. I don't think we are, but if if we you have this dream of Watford being a dominant pl- uh, player in the in the championship next year, you want to know this is who we are, and this is means we're going to play our way. And like you said, that's never really happened. No one really plays their way constantly in every game. They change their way depending on who they're playing and the last couple of games and the changes for them. But it is sort of trying to crave. You do always want as football fans, you do sort of want to know who. Yeah. The best team is of all your players who are going to probably be the starting eleven yeah. because they've been playing well for three weeks. And, and just, yeah, go, yeah, that's that's what I wanted. And so sorry to interrupt, but I wanted to say that I think 
going back to what I was saying about the players perhaps being asked to do different things, a lot of that will be down to the respect that Rob Edwards has from them. And I think what we've seen and what we've heard so far is that they are on board with him. So if you're my manager and you're asking me to play right wing back when actually I was player of the year last year at left back, if I'm looking at you and um, we've had a good pre-season and I'm, I'm on board with you, I'm like, okay, okay, Rob, I was going to say gaffer, but of course we know it's not. <laughs> so I think that's, that's and, and people talk as well about his impact on transfers and that is a big issue, of course, but actually as a, as a manager, as a head coach, your relationship with the players, once they cross that white line, you're asking them to do a job and they're going to be more likely to do it if they've got that good relationship. So that will be where Rob Edwards can, can, can perhaps have more of an impact than in terms of saying, well, I want that player, I want that, I want that player. Because as we know from the, what Dan Gosling said with, in the Watford Observer, Ranieri uh, and Ray and Roy weren't getting that from the players mm. at all. And I think so. I think Rob Edwards is one step ahead of those guys already in, in, in that regard. So, yeah, sorry to interrupt you. Well, let's talk about the attack a little bit, or the attacking elements, be it the, the front lot or the... Before we move on to the attack, John, I know you want to get amongst the goals. You want to get amongst the goals. I was talking about Marco Cassetti the other day and how I've always remembered how I sort of, he, wanted, he wanted to be involved in the, in the goals. So I understand why you've gone from defence to, to attack. But I think it's worth mentioning that Rob has come out and said that Backman's going to start as number one, which I thought was... Was quite interesting. How did it, uh, how did the, the goalkeeping situation look at the weekend, Jordy? Well, Batman was the only one that played in goal. Um, so, but I think what was um, well, you suggesting they should start two goalies? Well, no, but <laughs> I, I don't think. Did I, I come? Now you got me wondering. Did Akoi come on? I don't think he did. I can't remember. I don't. I mean, you know, we were again. It wasn't a great deal of defending on either side going on. A lot of midfield attrition and uh, kind of you know, sweaty men kind of angry, being angry at each other. But I mean, I mean, um, I think um, the lot uh, a lot of. Uh, Shares in Austrian gossip, football gossip magazines have, have gone down with Batman getting that because he, he hasn't had to have an interview with anyone <laughs> claiming that if he didn't get picked, he was going to leave. So um, so it's interesting. I mean, he was kind of half-touted with Man United, wasn't he, at one yeah. point? So so again, uh, whether his agents done a good job or whether or not, you know, um, Rob, you know, again, Rob Ball or whatever you want to call it, he's come in and has seen that Batman's has some strengths that fit his style. That mean he gets the the call. I always did. Th- I always thought about Backman was going to start the season just because of, yeah, you know, whatever you say about a new player and he's going to be the star in a role of goalkeeper. He, you know, you need to know that there's someone there that everybody's happy with, everybody knows, and that back line, that that defence, know back when they were very successful together at the end of the championship season. So not that I don't think he's, and you know, everyone's saying, oh, he's going to be number one. Well, it doesn't mean he's going to be number one the entire season. He's number one on the team sheet. He might last for a minute and then get subbed off. But it's, it, and it, the, you know, we know from this last season, goalies get injured. The last championship promotion season, it was literally half and half. Ben half and him half. So I'm not that worried about that. I don't think, I know there's always a thing about the first game of the season really laying it down, but he's still a young goalkeeper. Akoi is still a young goalkeeper and you want to make sure that he doesn't have a bad game against what is quite a tough a couple of opening games we've got. They're not against the worst teams in the, in the division, or supposedly the worst well, teams. He was, top flight. he was playing top flight, wasn't he, in, in Holland? And also, I can hear people listening, screaming at their device, whatever they're listening on. We spent five or six million quid on him, I think. So a, a serious outlay in a, in a window where we've seen a lot of players go out of the door and it being explained away for a number of reasons, either homegrown quota, which make your own mind up on 
or you assume that we're cutting that cloth accordingly. So then, to have, I know we spent this money last last term, so it doesn't necessarily come out of this accounting session, if you like. But but from a supporter's point of view, to have spent money on a goalkeeper who looks the part, spent a significant amount of money on someone who's performed what looks like well in a in a top league in in Europe, and then to take second fiddle to someone like like Batman, who as as Geordie alluded to is has kicked up a little bit, or certainly has been quoted as he may have been misquoted, may have got lost in translation. So I just think it's an interesting one. And I think I, there's perhaps some understandable frustration that he's been brought in, money's been spent on him, and he's and he's number two. So it's a it's an interesting one. I know we might see, and you're, and you're right. Backman's number one to start with. He might have a howler in the first two games and, and, that, and that won't last. But we're not, we're not the boss. I think what you were saying though, Mike, I wanted to know your starting eleven mm. at the start of the season and, and John saying Backman's the first for the first game. Because of the way the transfer window works, I think you want to be in the team in the first game in September because that means you're here to stay the season yeah. and you know you're gonna bring on to talk about yeah. the strikers in a minute, which we can kind of maybe address that issue in the future. But I think yeah, you, you can only have one goalkeeper, as you kind of might um, kindly pointed out to me earlier. Um, <laughs> wondering why we only ever had one. I saw why didn't you ever try with two? We should have tried two last year. Um but yeah, I mean, a lot, lot can change, and, and maybe it just helps Akoi, yeah. acclimatize. I mean, yeah, yeah. you know, acclimatize and get in and bring him in gently because there will be lots of games. So, but yeah, well, I guess we'll talk about the strikers now. Will we? Yeah, so that, that's the thing. We're, we're in a, a position with these strikers, and two of them seem to be around who we didn't expect to be around. Um, you probably expect Gino hoped they wouldn't be around in in some way for his bank balance, but we do have Dennis, we do have Sar, we have got Menage. How are we saying that that name? Manai. Manai. Okay, Manai, um, who's come in, and Bio, who's come in as well. You know, we haven't done any podcasts, really that many podcasts, Michael, because I just didn't want to pick apart these signings. I remember getting really excited about 1988 when Colin West came in, and, uh, you know, that was the first burning of my time in Watford. The burning of signings and my excitement not really being seen to fruition uh, has gone up considerably under the Pozzo family. So I'm not going to get excited about any of them until I see something exciting happen. Mm. So with those guys around, for now, with still a good couple of weeks of transfer window to go, mm-hmm. th- can you have any confidence in, in goals? So there is two Watfords at the moment, isn't there? There's with Dennis and Saar and without Dennis or Saar. Um, so I think you have to caveat anything you say at this stage with whether we've got one, even one of them is going to make a massive difference in the in the championship. I mean, from my point of view, I was so convinced that neither of them would be here that I'm finding it hard to imagine them taking the field for Watford, taking to the field for Watford in the championship, quite apart from anything else, because they demonstrably won't want to. And that's that's fine with with um, Ismail Asari. Completely understand why he was brought in on a he would have been sold a, a career path, a career trajectory that was perfectly fine for us to sell pitch that to him. He's gone for it, hasn't worked out. So he will be desperate to move on because he needs to get his career back on track. Ironically, he's the one less likely out of the two to get the move because he's had such a truncated year last year. He struggled to find any sort of form, whereas Emmanuel Dennis really did. Catch the eye. So with one or both of those guys, I think we're in we're in good shape because there is that enormous 
splodge of magic dust that will will make it make life difficult for for any championship defence. Without them, you you worry. And I, you've mentioned the two the two signings, and I think they're they're almost two different types of archetypal Pozzo signings. So Ray Manet, is that right? Manet, thank you, thank you. He is obviously they're hoping he's a diamond in the rough. He's been around the block a few times, hasn't really settled anywhere, hasn't really scored many goals, but they've obviously seen something in him, as Barcelona did to sign him originally. Never got a, never played for the for the first team, so he's a. Same as you. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> me and Rain got the same uh, number of uh, first team Barcelona appearances, so uh, yeah, we'll see who has the better career. But so it's a massive gamble. Hasn't really done it anywhere. The team that he was with in Italy last year was it Spezia? Yeah. Didn't didn't want him back. They were they were offered him. So there's that. Odi Nigalo, for example, he arrived. No one heard of him. No no great no great shakes. Hadn't hadn't done it anywhere else. And he's a Watford hero. So it's it's a roll of the dice. The other one I do want to talk about Bayo quickly, and he's the one that upset me because. <laughs> Oh, if it, Did he tweet something bad about you? What, uh, what upset not, you? Not, Who is parking? Not, <laughs> he hasn't tweeted anything bad about me yet. I suspect it won't be won't be too long. We'll tear the, the plaster off the, this one quickly. It's his link to it came from he came from Charleroi, didn't he? Which has got links to to Bayat, and that for me just continues to be a worry, shadow. a concern. It is a shadow. There seems to be. Too much involvement from from him or people close to him. Too many deals that don't really seem to make sense in terms of the amount paid and the impact they go on to have and the career they have before and after. So I don't want to go into it in in, in too much detail. Disappointed that there seems to be a reasonable chunk of money when when money seems to be tight spent on someone with such clear links to that camp. It may turn out to be unfounded concern, but as a supporter... I don't. I don't really like it. Two archetypal types: the link to to the buy at stable or his or his clubs, and the other one, which is trying to unearth a, a hidden gem. Both of them may come off. In which case, you know, if if Bayo scores twenty five goals this season, we'll be lining up to shake Monty Bayat by the hand because he's he's delivered a, a legend. However, you still need to. I won't change my mind on that because I I, I just feel there's something a little bit skew if there and I'd rather we were signing players you've made your point now and we'll be able to refer- reference this in future podcasts Michael for you my, being right or wrong is this my Newcastle this is, is this me <laughs> saying we're getting relegated after Newcastle in September yeah. Bio scoring 25 goals that's, yeah. uh, that's the one for this year I'll tell you what, if he does that I'll take him out for all the bio buns he can, uh, he can eat <laughs> but what, what, after that you know those new boys you know, they got changed around quite a lot. Uh, we've got the very little boy, the young, young boy, Yasser Espria. Uh, no relation, apparently. But what do you think about what you saw, just from what you saw on Saturday, Geordie, about about the, the potentials or the, what we're going to see from that attacking line? Well, I mean, it is, it is hard when you say that we've got two, two established players like Dennis and Saar, and we don't know if they're staying because it is a bit like, you know, take... Troy and Igalo out of that year, uh, who you left with? You know, it's it's. Are, are you expecting some players to be the, the main man, or are you expect them to play a supporting role? And it can have a huge, huge various. And obviously, <clears throat> like a cartoon character who gets kind of heart, um, hearts in their eyes when they kind of see Ooh. someone they love. I'm kind of blinded by Dennis because mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of people who don't like him and think he doesn't do work and he's doing this, that, and the other. But for me, I really like him. And you know, on Saturday I saw him. He was doing some good touches, some good movement. And I saw someone tweet saying, "Oh, Pedro's going to be getting really fed up with him because he's." 
not running around. I'm like, well, he's, well I'm, look, I'm seeing him run around. You know, I'm glad I'm not running on Twitter because I think he's doing a good job. Um, Pedro is the one that we kind of haven't spoken about. I think regardless of who stays or who goes, he's got a big role to play. He was excellent on Saturday. As- he, he's the one I want to play a big role because even what happens with Saar and Dennis are there 1st of September, they probably might, we're not going to be there 1st of February, but we know Jao Pedro is going to be there on the 1st of May. So you really, really think that he does need that starring role. Yeah, and um, he played in the kind of link with number 10 role. I think that's pretty, that's pretty useful because he's not prolific, uh, but he can find those spaces and he can bring people in. And if you've got people like Dennis who've got excellent movement and Saar, who can, who can gain a yard just through his pace. And, you know, it, it's all it takes in this division. You know, I think the, the championship, the standard of championship has gone up from, you know, when we think about some of the stuff we, we saw in the, in the like, 90s or the 2000s. But it's not the Premier League by a long way. And the Premier League really is, the defenders are excellent, the strikers are excellent, there's no margin for error, which is why teams that go up tend to come down because he's, he's not at that level yet. You need to, it takes a while to get going. I think um, Manai moved, got himself around, he started the game, so he, he, he's physical. Uh, you know, they've got to link up, they've got to get used to each other. I mean, there's a lot of, um, you know, mm-hmm. these, these, these things. Um, uh, and then Bako came on, and, uh, so Bayo came on, and, and he said... Um, in the programme they gave out, which is quite quite a nice gesture, free programme. Um, I read a little piece and he said that he what he likes is getting involved in aerial confrontations and aerial battles and dominating like that, which is what you're going to need in the championship. So I think both of them will play... I mean, they might end up with two battering rams, like two Darius Hendersons up front, but it might be that one of them is has that the Darius role, if you like, mm-hmm. and then someone else has the, the Marlon King role and, and, and we play it that way. Um, but... Have we got anyone in the club at the moment that can play the Marlon King role? Well, I, I would say Emmanuel Dennis. Um, uh, for me, he's a, he's, a, he's. I mean, like I told you, like, I've still got the hearts in my eyes. You know, it's, uh, it's like a filter on Snapchat now. Uh, <laughs> everything I see, I, th- I think hearts on the filter, not butterflies. I mean, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, my mistake. My mistake. I was hacked. I do, I do think to be to, to be discussing him in any serious yeah. way about about playing a, a significant part this season, it has to be. Just still, ninety nine percent, ninety nine point nine percent. There's no way he's going to be going to be playing for Watford. He might play the first game, yeah. because you know the Premier League are a week behind in terms of when they start. So maybe they're a week behind in their in some of their transfer. Uh, let, let me enjoy it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> last, you know, but but I think I think if if, I we, if I we sell, I do think that because it's gone on this long, there does seem to have been a shift, and we've seen a, a meaningful pre-season game. You know, in front of a crowd, which. It feels like that is closest to to what. Well, I and mean, we were a week away from the from the kickoff as well, of course. And now people are like, right, we're kicking off. They haven't been sold. Let's crack on. And it just still feels so unlikely. And I think it's maybe it's just self preservation. But I think we're setting ourselves. Oh, don't get me wrong. I'd be delighted. I'd be absolutely delighted. I think he'd tear tear the championship a new one. But I think we're setting ourselves up for a fall and being unrealistic. If we if we don't think it's going to be an issue one way or the other, because he will get, that's not fair. I don't know if he'll get fed up, but he will want to move. Yeah, his 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 stock has never been higher. But if you're a really good striker, strikers like scoring goals, and and if you're in a, in a team at the top, it's going to be more fun than a team at the bottom. And if all he's getting is offers from teams near the bottom or projects, you know, again another word that we hear increasingly that don't interest him. Thing, the thing with Saar is, because like you said, he had all these injuries, he, he could say, right, I'm going to play the first half of the season, yeah. go to the World Cup, 
you know, and then I'm going to get my big move because now I'm not going to get a big move. And no. then the club might be saying, if we sell you now, we're going to sell you at such a loss. Mm. You know, it's almost better to write you off uh, and just say, let's keep him and almost give him away if we if he gets us back up. Yeah. So if you stick with us and we'll let you go in the, in, in, in the winter if you want to go, and then maybe we get your loan back for the second half of the season, you know, and everyone's happy. So it's a peculiar season with the World Cup in the middle of it, with, you know, the, the circumstances at certain places. Because you said, you know, a few years ago, there's no way anyone would have thought Ismail Assar was going to be potentially going for 10 million because we needed to get shot of him and we were going to take a hit. He was supposed to be our kind of, our, our 80 million pound player. You know, that's, that was the idea when we bought him. We're going to spend big, but we're going to double our money. And it hasn't worked out that way for various reasons, relegations and injuries. But he, he, we saw last time, he, he essentially got us up last time. Yeah. Let's, let's be honest, he was, he, was, he was the magic. So if you've got him and Dennis with Pedro, a couple of years more mature, we talked about the defence and how none of them kind of get the juices flowing. Defenders don't need to get your juices flowing. Defenders need to stop goals, you know. And then, and then you look in the midfield and, you know, um, Kayembe, uh, loser when he comes back, you know, he, he, he had a bit of a Decoure evolution of kind of who are you, get on a plane, oh, you missed your plane, you don't go back to France type thing. And then suddenly like, he had this bad start against Brighton. He was like, who's this guy? Did he win a competition or something? And then he, by the end of the season, he was one of our better players. So if he can, if he can hit the ground running after, uh, you know, a good... A good season, then, then maybe we can. Momentum is really important this season. I mean, I know the championship is very long; it's a slog, and I think I think you can get away with it if you're gonna if you're gonna get in the playoffs. You can have a bad spell. Yeah. But if you're gonna be in the top two, the margin of error is really quite. I don't think it is. I, I mean, you look at. I mean, you know the you know Forest last year. Like I said, they didn't get in the top two, but they got in the in, they comfortably got into the playoffs in the end. It wasn't like they were the final game of the season, was it? Or was it? It was they were there and thereabouts quite soon. Top one, maybe, but I don't think this division is going to be the same as it was last year, where Bournemouth and Fulham were really, really pushing for one and two, and were quite clearly one and two. I don't feel we're going to get. I don't get the vibes of that from any of the, the teams that we've got around us because of how much has been going on at, at Burnley and how much has been going on with us. And well, Norwich haven't done that much, have they? But. It's that feeling I've got of you, you, if you have a good run of five or six games winning streak, that will get you in the playoffs. But actually, as you did what we did, if we could have even a half better first half of the season in terms of convincing performances and you know some of the terrible performances we had, yeah, you know, that that first half of the season under Ivic, that's what I hopefully we we're not going to have this time. And we will have, we probably won't have the wonderful running that we had. But if you sort of spread that out across the season, it's more realistic. Uh, it's less dependent on us having to play that way. But I feel that's more where we're going to be. And that's, that would be, be quite fun, I think. But I, 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 my memory may be playing tricks with me, but I don't think if it's less, that's in a really bad position. No, but there were some really poor, downbeat, oh, no, dire performances. Yeah. He didn't, no, 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 we were still in the playoffs when he yeah. left. That's what I mean. So if you have a bad a bad spell where you end up like, you know, 12th or 13th, you know, 12 or 13 games into the season, you can have a run and you can still go up, but you've now got a lot less time to get that that done. And, and, I, and, I, and I think it, you know, historically, Watford were happy to be like a mid-table team. We finished on the first half of, on, on CFAX. We were happy, you know, we won the relegation battle. Then we've kind of had a few, you know, with AD and, you know, even with, with GT and stuff. We had playoff runs and, you know, when the Pozzos came in, there's the ambition to to do that but I think now when in the championship certainly you know, the year we went up the last two years we went up really there has been an expe- expectation that we would go up mm-hmm. uh, and really the thing that is missing is the is the, is the championship title 
you know, because we've, we've got playoffs, we've had second places. That's the one thing that's missing, if you like. And we don't want to have come back every year to try and win it. We want to win it, get up and stay up. So it depends what, what the expectations are. Um, well, I don't, that's the thing. And that's, I don't know, I genuinely don't know what my expectations are. I think first and foremost, I've enjoyed the summer. I've enjoyed the break away from Watford, quite frankly, as a supporter, thinking about them and trying to, and just, just to recover quite frankly, from the from the horror show that was, was last year. It was unpleasant in virtually every regard. There was no joy to be gained from the actual football. You get the usual stuff, seeing your mates and, and so on and so forth. So no, no, not no joyful stuff. But the football we had to watch was an absolute disaster. And up until recently, we've been sort of still, it's been still been percolating around in our heads. And we've had a full stop, hopefully, put against it by Dan Gosling in the Watford Observer, who said it was every bit as bad as we thought it was. So that's really, really disappointing on a on a number of levels and gives me pause for thought and a little bit of concern for the future because, again, what, some of the things that Troy said when, when we spoke to him chime with what Dan Gosling said in terms of how potentially players are, are treated. And yes... You know, Crimea River, multi-millionaires can all retire. Well, if you play your cards right, you can retire at 30. I get that. But also, every you're human beings, and to get the best out of someone, you treat them in a particular way. So there are, there are big issues evident at Watford that led to that horrible thing that we saw on the pitch last year. So even if you just turn up at five to three and go home directly after the game, you're not getting any fun out of it. If you're like us and you have a, a deeper care for the, the 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 state of the club then it's even more concerning so i feel quite wounded really and quite quite tired and bruised by last year and 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 also worried so i've enjoyed the break and i hope everyone else has as well and has taken a time to to maybe just take a breather and and get ready to go again but i think perhaps as part of that i haven't looked forward so much and tried to work out and tried to articulate exactly how I feel going into that season. There's a lot of, you know, there's a few opinions swirling around that we might be back to our natural level. Is that right for a professional football club? No, you need to be striving like Geordie said there. Let's get the Champions League, let's get back and stay up in the blooming, in the Premier League. Is that even possible? Because we spoke at the end of last year and again, it, it was at the end of last season. Again, that's with the caveat of getting battered every week. We're saying... Is there a place for a team like Watford in the Premier League? Is it even possible? We don't know that. Is it possible with the way Watford's set up? We don't know. Will Gino Pozzo, Gioretta, whatever his role is, which looks increasingly dodgy, what's his performance like? Because in terms of transfers, you'd say there's been hasn't been great. So can this football club deliver? What's the financial implications? We saw they've they saw they've had a, another advance loan from Macquarie Bank. I'm not financially astute enough to know if that's them gaming the system and getting cheaper money now. It might be cheaper to borrow now than to wait for it later. But the indications are we're borrowing money from a bank and not spending it. So there's worries there. So I genuinely don't know how I feel um, about it. I don't know whether this team can compete. We've discussed the squad and on the face of it, it sounds like a solid championship squad. But similarly, my my knowledge of the the, the championship and and the, the quality of what we're going to come in week in week up against week in week out, we probably we need we needed a little bit of stardust last time to get up, and it was usually Ismail Assar or a another that just was too good on on, on a couple of occasions. 
So if we can, if Esprit is, turns out to be the the Mutz nuts, if Jao Pedro has the season that we that we hope he will, if Loser adapts to the um, to the to the the, the rigours of the championship, and if that back line is able to to do it, then we you know we should be in with a, a decent shout. But I think there is a lot up in the air at, with Watford at the moment, and I I don't think I've gone into a season unsure of what I should allow myself to expect. What I want to expect is what Georgie mentioned, go for the title, get promoted. I don't know whether I'd be gutted, for example, at this stage, if we didn't end up back in the Premier League. I don't. I just don't know. It's. I feel genuinely excited for the start of the season. Dave, uh, DCW in our WhatsApp groups, I just can't wait to see him play again. Can't wait to be inside Vicarage Road. And I echo that 100%. I think we're just gagging for it to start and, and we'll, we'll see you then. From the Rookery End, a podcast about life following Watford FC. One thing I wasn't asked you, but I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it for a couple of weeks probably because the transfer window is still opening. My question was, do you think Gino is patting himself on the back for some shrewd deals or is he still waiting for the Premier League international, international tours to end to see what he can get on loan? Or is he, is he going to go for his, his, his checkbook? and start spending some stuff. And we, we talk about this every year. We talk about, hey, let's see how the first few games go. Let's see how that player does, how that player does. Do we need to buy a backup? And there is, there is times. We're not going to do judgment quite yet on how this is all going. But what we do know about this season so far is that the new kits are pretty awesome. Massive fan of the new kits. Some decent quality uh, collar work. Uh, always a thing that lacks. Got some heritage in there, especially with the third kit being the black and white stripes, the 100th anniversary of of being at uh, Vicarage Road, uh, as well as the blue kit for the, you know, when Watford were, of course, the blues. Yeah, yeah, if fan, or my, let's ask you another question, Michael. Is your wallet a fan with Arlo? My wallet is absolutely not a fan, um, <laughs> but no, I think they're great. And I think credit to the club, because they've obviously worked really, really hard to get these these right they're for the, you know, the, the deal with... With Kelmo, I think the club have have worked really hard to make sure that they've got a product that fans can get behind. Obviously, there's an issue with the sponsor; everyone knows about that. Um, and you know, we raised at the we asked at the at the, at the meeting, didn't we, about potentially not having a gambling or, or associate a financial product as a as a sponsor. And you know, the answer is at the moment they are the most lucrative in terms of. So you make a call on that. Anyway, the kit itself, I think they're they're beautiful. I think they're different, as you say, a bit of heritage. Uh, they're, you know, for, for, I don't know, I'm a 45-year-old man now, so <laughs> whether I should be passing comment on uh, on w- whether things are uh, drippy <laughs> or not is uh, is up for debate. But I think I think they look I think they look really really good. I think they're they're different to everyone else's, which I think is is good. The way they announced them was great. Having Elton hold up the the third shirt and the thinking behind that and the the blue shirt, like you say, John with history, all tying into of course a hundred years at the Vic this this season. So yeah, I think credit to the credit to the club. They've delivered uh, three really really nice. Well, four. With the uh, with the goalie shirts as well, really really decent as far as I'm concerned. Uh, the big news, by the way, if you want to get in touch with us on the podcast, uh, this sort of any little things that are on your mind uh, that we can pick up on, um, send us a, a, an email podcast at fromtherookerend.com. Uh, we want to know your views. We don't wish to have your questions for us to answer. We'll talk about them, of course, but we'll know what, you, what your views are. Send a bit of audio, even better. Thank you very much. But that's podcast at fromtherookerend.com. Captaincy, Geordie. It felt like, well, who is it? Who's it going to be? It's going to be Tom Cleverley. Surely it's going to be Tom Cleverley. Could it be? But it is Tom Cleverley. You right with that? 
yes, I think he knows the the championship. He know he's got high standards. He's obviously been at Man United uh, under Ferguson. I think he was there. So I mean, he's kind of probably got everything he needs to. He's going to play frequently enough, even if he doesn't play every single game. You look at who else could have been captain. I mean, you, know, you don't really want to put that burden on a striker like a Saar or a, or a Dennis, who, who, like you say, might not be around as we spoke about. Cathcart, it seems a bit quieter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think you want just let let the defence get on with it and I think um, you know again Mike's going to get the, the hearts in his eyes but cleverly kind of like John Eustace in the middle of the park can uh, can kind of get in the referee's ear can kind of drive the standard can push the team forward he can he can be you know you, you sometimes hear about the captain is the manager on the pitch if you like and I think if Tom the level he's played at played for England he should have the tactical nous and awareness to kind of understand how the system should work and the respect of the other players to better tell them, push, don't push, work harder, concentrate, try this. So I think I think it's I don't think there's an obvious candidate who's been overlooked. So so I'm perfectly fine with it. And I think really, it's not like cricket and stuff. The captain yeah. has kind of roles to do, to do in football. But if you're going to get promoted, you need a team of captains. We've got international players all over the park. So really, we should be every everybody should be should be captain style uh, yeah. and, and just Tom, Tom wears the armband one of the roles is to, to, to stay on top of the ref I think yeah. not in a negative way not berating him but you'll notice when Watford played a big team the ref calls the opposition players by their first name it's just because it's they recognise them they've got that sort of um, gravitas around them Tom Cleverley you know much as he gets derided by some Watford supporters um he, you know, he's been around. He's an England international. He's played for Manchester United. I think it's just just reward for his career at Watford, which has been exemplary, really, in terms of the commitment he's given uh, given to Watford. But he will be recognised by the refs on the pitch, and I think that that carries a bit. It may be being slightly reductive, and perhaps we can ask a player about it sometime later in the season. But I think when refs know who the player is, there's a bit of trust there, and it's. You know, you know. I, th- I think that's that's important. I always used to say that to, about, about John Eustace, how he used to manage the ref a little bit and just make sure you make just make sure the opposition don't get away with it. We know what they're going to be like. We know what the opposition going to be like. We're going to be there. We're going to be there to be shot at this season. We're going to be one of the big names teams. We'll have a target on our back. So we need to do everything within our power to manage the the manageables. And I think having a a recognisable stern, experienced, competent, confident, not necessarily a baller and a shouter. That's not, that isn't effective management or captaincy. Someone who can exert calm authority um, and, and Tom Cleverley can do that. Quite apart from anything else, there was no one else. <laughs> so the other one is, um, you know, sort of a Watfordy business was actually, even though we've been worrying about finances and where money's going to come from, we've got a couple of bits coming in via uh, players being sold for other clubs. Richarlison signing for Tottenham. Mm. For Tottenham! From Everton. And also uh, Luis Suarez, who played one pre-season game and looks like we might get a few more quid for him as he's moving to, to Marseille. Here's the thing. Out of all the Pozzo signings, we, we went through them all last week on the, on the draft that we did. Out of all of them, do you think he's the most shrewd signing that Gino ever made in terms of what he's got from him for how little he really played for us? I'll let, I'll let Geordie answer this, but I think it's important to mention that 
we've had I've had a bit of a moan about transfers and and buyout links and and looking for diamonds in the rough and so on and so forth. You have to therefore give credit where credit's due. You've mentioned two players really where we're getting money for certainly money for old rope in the case of Luis Suarez who never looked likely to to play football for Watford probably isn't that amazing anyway to manage to sort of keep getting money down the line for for a player like that is you have to say that is great business and in terms of Richarlison you know we would have liked to have seen him in yellow for longer because he's obviously a huge talent but you've got a decent sell on in there and to and to find him in the first place so having been relatively critical earlier on I just wanted to give a little you know hat tip chapeau to to Gina because when it does come off and it and it does you know, it's not this. Is, this isn't the first time it's it's happened. Of course, um, you've got to ha- you've got to say fair play. But is Richarlison the the shrewdest? Over to you, Jordy. I say firstly, wait till he finds out the mod you buy at designed the kit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, giving credit for what he can. No, he didn't really. For that goes uh, on on Twitter or anything. The, the shrewdest. I mean, if you look from a purely like how little we utilise them, then obviously the the equation is fairly simple: low cost uh, and then and then highest sale. But I think if I were to look at the, all the signings and say which ones were the best in 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 a more holistic sense, I'd say probably Capu and Igalo were were two that you know that, that were we we got the best out of them um, and they were fundamental. And if you look at yes, you can look and say well the transfer fees yeah. may may not be massive, but the fact that we got to play more seasons in the Premier League, particularly off the back of the impact those two players had who were brought in because other players were here historically and other ones weren't as impactful. Obviously, Dukure can go into that that bracket because we got we didn't get as much as we could have got for him a, a couple of seasons earlier. But I think I think there's those those are the signings that I think the ones that you bring in you get the best of. You kind of wring the flannel if you like, mm-hmm. and then and then you move it on rather than the ones who are kind of like ships and like that could walk through was it Atria or into whatever they call it now. You know, you could have like Purvis and and Luis Suarez walking through that, and no one would stop them. Mm-hmm. And I think I think you know are they were they Watford players? There's a guy in uh, he's just got to Spain. I think Jurgen Illitim, who's been at Deportivo for a few years, he's technically been on our books. He's technically been our player, but it is it does feel like that almost like farming thing mm. where he has no association with Watford. He probably hasn't spent long enough in England to kind of you know I say feel the cold. Obviously been through a heatwave, but he hasn't he hasn't he hasn't felt a Watford. He probably never felt a Watford player other than we paid his wages through somebody else. But I think there's some players who 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 were proper Watford players who will go down in in history as being legends. Who then moved on, and I think and moved on to better things. And I think really there aren't many players who have left Watford for better things. I think Capu, Richarlison certainly, uh, Decoure to an extent, although Everton are a bit toilet in a minute, but in theory should be better. Mm-hmm. Those players where where we've really they've really embodied not the what just the Watford way, but the Pozzo way of come here, show what you can do, and go on and shine is is what we've almost failed to do with Delafeu. Again, this is where is Saar going to get to do it? Is Dennis going to get to do it? And this is the whole thing we hold on for for too long. So as much as I love Dennis to stay, should we have sold players earlier in earlier seasons to kind of get the money and then re- rejuvenate the squad? So I think it's, I think it's difficult. What well, the metric for whether it's the right, the best signing or the or the, or the shrewdest comes down to I think a lot of factors. And for me, I'd rather. It, it was the ones who actually contributed yeah. on the pitch as well as to the bank balance. Yeah, no, I, I, I do agree with that. I like you say you want to have a player who you 
you feel you got you got to see them a lot and enjoy them a lot and uh they did something for in their yellow shirts and you know Ricky did do that for for a little bit yeah some really good games but I still think he only had a good half a season with us and it's it's a, it's, it's really good business uh, you know what the unfortunate thing well maybe unfortunately depends how you look at Richarlison uh if it comes to the legends games when he retires he only played 38 games for us he played 135 for Everton so he won't be a Watford legend uh in terms of the Watford Masters teams um but Harry Gomez we do get him uh he played more games for Watford than did any other club he played for so go on then Mike you're you're still dreaming aren't you for this season you're not demanding this promotion no and I don't and I actually think that's that feels like a commonly held belief I think as Watford fans we've been around the block even if you're relatively young you've still already been around the block a few times with seeing promotions and relegations you've sort of experienced the heartache you've seen how hard it is you've seen what the world can throw at you and how it can impact on on football so I think regardless of your your age and your Watford supporting experience, you're pretty battle-hardened by now. So I think we all know not to sort of turn up on day one and expect everything to be plain sailing and to get that championship that Geordie sort of tantalisingly mentioned. And now he's mentioned it. All I can think about <laughs> is us lifting that blooming trophy. Absolutely not not demanding. What I'm, what I'm just desperate for is for us, uh, you know, the royal us as Watford fans to get in the ground and enjoy seeing our football again because we got served up some absolute toss last season and we've seen we've had the lid lifted all our worst fears have been confirmed and as supporters we have a right to say lads and lasses whoever's involved in serving up that cluster last season that ain't good enough it's not a you know it's a, we you know we we, did, we don't deserve better. We're football sports. We can choose to go or, or choose not to. But we, what I want for us is for us to go, go and enjoy it again. For those clouds to be, to be blown away and to have a, a, just have an enjoyable season supporting this club that we, that we love and we know can get it right. We're talking about Richardson there. They can pick these and Decore and Delafay. We've had good players come through. If we do move Dennis and, and Saran for good money, then you know that it can work. Everything doesn't have to be broken. We're still smarting um, but there is still the heartbeat of a good club there that we will well we'll love forever won't we so I'm not demanding it I'm excited for it I cannot wait to be back inside Vicarage Road this time in I can't work it out now because it's, a, it's a odd, odd <laughs> number of minutes the week tonight Mike the week tonight yeah I, I can't wait and, and, and as football supporters this really should be the best part of the season because anything's possible uh, it could go south really quickly. It could be bang average. It could be brilliant. Um, but we've got it all ahead of us. Another season at Vicarage Road and beyond supporting our, our golden boys. We've talked about the kit. We're going to look good. We've spoken to Rob. He seems like a decent chap. Um, so plenty to, plenty to be enthusiastic about. I'm just desperate for us as supporters to enjoy it. And I would urge everyone to... Remember that that this should be fun. Last year wasn't fun, but even even when it, even when the going's naff, you have to try and find something that makes it worthwhile. Whether it's seeing someone enjoy, it. I remember seeing a little kid in front of me. I think it was a Leicester game at home. We got humped five one, but she unfurled this little banner she'd homemade, stuck four pieces of A four together, stuck two sort of little bamboo canes on either side, and just written Watford in in felt tip. It obviously taken her ages, and it was beautiful. And it was, that was obviously a moment she'd never forget. It was something she was excited about. Um, and sometimes that's all it takes. We obviously want more than that. But do try and remember, and this is, I'm talking to myself, 
enjoy it. Find something that gives your that makes your heart sing. Give you something that puts a spring in your step. Give you something to take away from it. Let's get out there and enjoy it. Geordie, demanding or dreaming? Uh, probably closer to demanding. Um, oh God, did you not listen to all Yeah, I did. I did. I did. But you didn't. You didn't convince me. But um, but um, it's difficult because I think a dream is always something that feels um, out of your reach. And I think that's why I don't think I'm dreaming. I think if I, I, I was kind of saying earlier to you guys, I don't know the championship. I know the names. I know like, oh, hello Middlesbrough, hello Preston, hello Huddersfield. I know you. Um, but I've actually no idea who's playing for them. So it's a bit of a fog of war, really. And I, there's no one obvious that I'd want to swap us with in the in the championship. So. On that regard, if I was outside of looking in at Watford with some of the players we still have on our books, some, you know, the positive, you know, young manager, leaving aside all the jokes that he's going to be fired by, you know, whenever the first international break, whatever. But I, I don't know who's in a better position than us. And that's kind of my lack of exp- exposure to the championship because we were away for a year behind closed doors and then we've been in the Premier League. And as much as we like to bang on, oh, the championship's the best football. And once you get the Premier League... <laughs> That don't watch the chapter anymore. <laughs> you know, I mean, let's be honest. Only... Is it still on? What's the channel called? Uh, Quest. No, it's is, is it on Quest? No, it's yeah. on ITV. So, so I think I think this season's going to be a weird one. We've spoken about the first month before the transfer window. Then we've got like another the rest of the first half of the season. Then the World Cup. Then we kind of go into like January with another transfer window. So it's going to be. A, it feels like it could be a very bitty season um, with lots of. Chopping and changing. This 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 could affect our, our rivals as much as it affects us, or more so. So I think if we can if we can keep you know, AD had the bus, didn't he? If Rob's got the the railway or something, he's got this train. If he can keep it on the tracks, you know, and like you said before, you know, Kamara, player of the season at left back in the left left back in the in the Premier League, willing to play at right wing back in the Championship because he buys into it. If we can get that, as much as the the fans moan and tart and. There's like vocal people on, on social media. When it's all going bad, it's easy to kind of be loud. When, it, when it's all going well, I think everyone, there's a silent majority who maybe will come out and, and will be more positive. Because it really, you know, you can be pro or against the manager, pro against the board, pro against individual players. Is the team winning? Is the team succeeding? And if everyone comes out on a Saturday or a Tuesday or whenever it is, smiling because we've won a game, that's what matters. That, that, is, that is, for me, the biggest determinant, not... Like who's the agent behind that? Who's that? That that, they, that that's, I think that's when it becomes a bit when we start looking for things to pick at, things to get annoyed about, and things to justify our frustration. But the frustration or the joy comes ninety percent of it, or ninety nine percent of it, from what happens on those ninety minutes. And I think if we can get that going and keep it going, then there's no reason why anybody should be better than us this season. Again, because of the way the season's laid out, we could lose players throughout. We've seen players get injured. There's all these. There's, there's the chaotic theory, you know. We spoke, spoke earlier, but you know, Capoue slicing into his own goal, then winning the Europa League. James Garner, Glenn Murray not doing much for us, and then James Garner going on getting promoted. You know, Glenn Murray who had like 20 odd goals, 30 goals in a season before the clubs couldn't get couldn't get a game of goal for us. So there's no guarantee who's going to do well. We just have to hope that the the stars align for us. Um, and if they do, I think we've got players who are good enough and an infrastructure that's good enough for us to take advantage of it. I think I'm still dreaming about it, but actually what I'm more dreaming is my demand of at least good performances and some, some fun things to watch because it wasn't fun making these podcasts last year at certain points. It was just, do we have to relive them again after the game? So we're going to have a great season just so we have fun doing the podcast, which we're going to be here, of course, every week, out on your Monday, ready for you to listen to us chat about what for football club and what we think's happened and 
how we feel. Of course, we want to get you involved. Uh, get involved uh, by the social medias at Watford Podcast. We're not going to ever be one of those people who puts out all the news stories about everything on our social media. We just haven't got the time. Um, Mike was telling us before we started about all the uh, after school clubs he's to take his children to. Uh, that's that's a lack of time we have for uh, social media. But do get in touch via the social medias or, of course, in long form, uh, a bit retro uh, of, a, of an email. Podcast at fromtherookeryend.com. Thank you very much, Geordie. You're welcome. Thank you. And thank you, Michael. See you at the Vic. Yeah, for our 100th season at Vicarage Road. And we'll be there every step of the way. Come on, you all!